We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Of course, my name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the B-Dub. Appreciate you guys joining me tonight, or I say tonight, but I'm recording it in the night, but you could be joining me in the morning. You probably are on your way to work. Hopefully it's a great day or afternoon, evening, whenever it is you're listening. Just know that I'm glad you're here. And to start off the podcast, obviously I feel like given this is coming at you on a Tuesday morning, everybody knows the result of the game. Nobody's surprised about everything. Everybody kind of knows where everything is. Uh, you're already in a slightly crummy new mood when it comes to the 49ers. Uh, just given they they dropped a, a, a pretty rough one against the Seahawks uh, for their second consecutive loss at Levi's Stadium um, and on the season. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm bringing you some relatively positive news regarding injuries because for the first time in what seems like years, the 49ers actually got good injury news in comparison to what everyone expected to get. Um Trent Williams was carted off the field twice against the Seahawks. The first, they chalked up to cramps, and he was right back out by the end of the Seahawks series uh, to rejoin the offense. But then uh, it was clear during a play that he had hurt his right arm, elbow. That's what it looked like. He was clenching his elbow. Ended up being a shoulder injury that he was carted off for. So anytime the cart comes out, the immediate assumption is a major, a serious injury. We're talking season ending, multiple months, weeks, whatever have you. You know it's never um, it's never a light injury. But according to Kyle Shanahan today, who spoke with the media, Trent Williams' injury, his shoulder injury, is just day-to-day. So the 49ers are going to see how he feels every day at practice and see what he's willing to do. Kyle Shanahan did say that there's like some fluid or something going on in there. Not a doctor. Don't know shoulders. Don't know exactly what that would be. Um, but in, in terms of being carted off the field during the game, holding your arm, uh, relatively good news. Um, in addition to that, Jimmy Garoppolo, who suffered a calf injury, um, I believe someone, I believe the, uh, the prognosis is someone stepped on his calf. Basically labeled a contusion or a fancy word for a bruise. He made it seem like Jimmy Garoppolo made it seem like he only expected to miss a few weeks. And then Kyle Shanahan, just like Trent Williams today, said that they're going to reevaluate him on Monday. And there's still a chance he plays uh, this Sunday against the Cardinals. I wouldn't expect that, but I really, like I said, not a doctor, don't know. 
Um, another and more good injury news. Running back Elijah Mitchell, the first man in when Raheem Mostert initially went down and played pretty well. He's back and in full in practice. Kyle Shannon said he wasn't going to need a blue non-contact jersey anymore, and he should be good to go in full, like to uh, to the highest extent possible. And then lastly, I guess you could say the 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 not positive side of of this week's injury news is the 49ers lost uh, kicker Robbie Gould to a groin injury. He's supposed to be out like three to five weeks. They're not sure if they're going to put him on injured reserve. And Kyle Shanahan did say that they were going to be looking at replacing him um, during that time with a with a new kicker. We don't know who that will be yet. Uh, interesting because Robbie Gould was kicking field goals before the game. And then all of a sudden could no longer kick. So he injured his leg during the pregame warm-up kicks, excuse me, his groin. Um, the reason I said leg is because he was on the sideline with kind of this like compressed, like this wrap brace compression thing around his right thigh. So it, it almost looked like he'd suffered a leg injury, but they ended up labeling it a groin. So we'll see about that against this, uh, the Seahawks. Uh, punter Mitch Wisnowski actually came in to kick field goals with uh, less than stellar results, but I mean, you got to applaud the guy for at least just getting in there and giving it the old college try. But no offense to uh, to Mr. Wisnowski, our Australian punter. Uh, that's really not what we're here to talk about. Like I said earlier, everybody knows by this time that the 49ers dropped their second loss of the season. They're now two and two to the Seattle Seahawks, um, falling 28 to 21 at Levi Stadium in what was, for the most part, just a pretty embarrassing performance for the 49ers as a whole. It had moments of greatness, moments of dominance, but when it comes to putting together four quarters of good football, it was way, way, way short of the mark. And really a lot of this storyline regarding that loss had a lot to do with the quarterbacks. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo played the first half, didn't start the second half. Trey Lance came in to start the second half and it really there really wasn't a whole lot of positivity to take from either player now I'm not going to say it was all bad with Jimmy Garoppolo and it was all bad with Trey Lance because it wasn't there like I said there were moments there but for the most part there's not a whole lot to be happy with when it comes to who the 49ers have behind center but there's so much more context to that and that's what we're about to get into um, and kind of just to go through the flow of the game before, I mean, I guess you could say the overall summary, summary of the game is it seemed like the Seahawks wanted to lose that game, at least in the beginning. The Seahawks didn't seem like they had any answer for the 49ers defense whatsoever. I mean, if you look at, at the possessions, uh, the Seahawks started the game off with five straight punts. All of them three and outs, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. The Seahawks wanted to lose that game or they wanted to be, you know, ran out of the out of the stadium by the 49ers. But the 49ers offense, you know, quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo was just so poor that all all that meant was a seven point lead. The, the Seahawks were able to go three and out five straight times, and the only thing the 49ers could come away with was seven points. And really, and kind of at that point, you know, I, I said to, I went to the game with my little brother, um, wasn't up in the press box this time, went with, went with him, decided to go with him. I looked at him kind of like as the second quarter was, was kind of about midway through, and I said, man, if the 49ers go into halftime tied 7-7 to with the Seahawks, that will be a tragedy. And that's exactly what happened. Um, if you look at – so, I mean, basically, the here's the, the Seahawks' entire first half. Punt, 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 touchdown, half is over. And you had a 49ers offense that came out firing. They had a they began the game with an eight-play, 81-yard drive for a touchdown. It looked like things were were on the up and up. Like, and, and the reason I say that too is the Seahawks defense is not good. They are not a good defense. Against the the Vikings the week before, Kirk Cousins completed almost 80% of his passes for 323 yards and three touchdowns. No interceptions. 
almost a perfect game. And uh, Alexander Madison, uh, Dalvin Cook's backup, ran for 112 yards on 26 carries. Solid day. Like, the Seahawks do not have a good defense, and the 49ers were able to do almost nothing against it. The 49ers, after that touchdown, went interception, missed field goal, because, again, Robbie Gould was out. Mitch Wisnowski tried to come in there. Punt, 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 fumble. And then, you know, this it's just... There was a, and then followed by that fumble was was Trey Lance's touchdown late in the third quarter and it was just a piss poor effort. It's it's hard to even quantify it for me, and I know that, that I just need to be better with my words. But there was just so much wrong with what we were seeing that it's it's hard to quantify it all. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he looked solid in that first drive, and then he fell apart. He threw an interception that I, I labeled more as a great, great play by the defensive back than it was a poor throw by Jimmy Garoppolo. He looked to his right. Uh, I think there were two reads over there. I believe they were both covered. He came back to what I believe was George Kittle, saw him flash open and threw the ball, but did not see uh, the defensive back to the right who just darted in front of it. So it wasn't the worst interception I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo throw, but it was still an interception. And, I mean, really kind of going forward from there, Jimmy Garoppolo made a lot of really poor throws. He looked like he ended George Kittle's season. And I know that anybody who saw that game, when they hear me say this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what's interesting about this is Jimmy Garoppolo got George Kittle injured last season on a screen that he threw way too high. Kittle had to jump up and get it and got hit in the legs. And I believe he hyperextended his knee, if I'm not mistaken. Don't hold me to that. But he injured injured one of his legs, his knee. And in this one, same exact thing. Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pass over the middle, too high. Kittle had to go way up. He got hit in the leg, and his knee, like, or his, his leg, like, folded up underneath his knee. And he went down, and that entire stadium of 70,000 fans, like, gasped and went silent all at once. And Kittle, kind of like that scene from Jerry Maguire where everybody's kind of waiting to see what happened and then, you know, the injured player gets up and starts dancing. That's almost what Kittle did minus the dancing. He kind of laid there for a little bit. It looked like he was hurt bad. That looked like it was it right there. But he got up and he seems like he's okay. I don't know how he's feeling right now. Um, I know that technically the 49ers labeled Kittle as, you know, they're kind of still nursing that calf along. But I don't know what from that, throw slash hit what effects Kittle's going to carry going forward but it was a horrible throw that put Kittle in a horrible position and there were others like that too I believe Devo Samuel had one where he kind of got led straight into a hit I believe Brandon Ayuk had one where it kind of set him up and and it made him angle in a way where he got hit pretty hard it was just a poor game from Jimmy Garoppolo after that first drive and during that first drive he looked like they were aces they were moving. Even and even in that there there they he threw that interception. Even in the next drive, he looked pretty solid. They had nine plays, 68 yards, and I tweeted it out. It looked like the 49ers offense was dealing. And then that one resulted in a, a missed field goal from uh from the Seattle 23. But again, it's it's Mish Wisnowski kicking him. So it just it looked like a poor effort. And at this point. You just have to wonder what you're going to get from Jimmy Garoppolo, healthy or otherwise. But again, he got injured, which we now know that we should expect that from Jimmy Garoppolo. And now he's off the field. To me, when he was out there, when he was healthy, you're going against a horrible defense that Kirk Cousins completed 80% of his passes against for almost for 323 yards. And that's all you can manage is a is one touchdown drive and then everything else is kaput from there. Jimmy Garoppolo ended the game 14 of 23 for 60%, uh, 165 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 79 quarterback rating. It wasn't great, but it looked worse than the even looked worse than the box score said. He just seemed like he had very little command of the offense, very little his accuracy was rough. It's just not what you should it's not what the 49ers are paying for. It's not what should win the starting job. And that kind of brings us to Trey Lance coming in for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half. 
And he didn't look good either. Now, I, I put way less responsibility on Trey Lance for what he looked like coming out against the Seahawks than I do Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a seasoned veteran at this point. He's getting paid the amount of money he's getting paid, and he was he earned that starting job based on his experience and his command of the offense and his ability to move the team down the field, and he's simply not doing that, at least not nearly consistent enough to warrant his position, to warrant pushing off Trey Lance's development any further. And believe me, if you didn't watch Trey Lance play, it's clear that he requires development. I mean, the dude's played one football game in two years. At some point, he's got to get in the game. And this was not an ideal situation for him to get in the game. He probably took zero first-team practice reps throughout the week, maybe ran the scout team, you know, to kind of represent that mobility threat that Russell Wilson is. But it just was, was thrown out there due to Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. And he looked overwhelmed. He did. He seemed like he lost composure pretty quickly. He seemed like, you know, the offensive line certainly didn't help. We saw that. The offensive line was not doing well in terms of blocking. They were consistently letting guys back and get after and touch Trey Lance. And it, it definitely messed with his approach to the offense. And it was just tough. It was it was uncomfortable to watch is, is what I could describe it as. It just looked like Trey was nervous, and nobody would blame him for that because, like I said, this is the first real game action other than his one game in his in his final season. Essentially, the first real real action he's had in two years. The guy's played one football game in two years, and now he's being asked to come in in the second half to you know try and maintain some semblance of cohesion among an offense that just clearly isn't working. And that sounds wild to say about a Kyle Shanahan offense. But hey, before we're going to keep going into Trey Lance, we're going to get more into Kyle Shanahan, a little more into the defense. Um, But before we do that, let's get a quick word in from our sponsor, TickPick. 49ers football is finally back. Y'all know that. It might not be exactly what we expected, but it's back and we're in full swing. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick is going to give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So you're going to get that money back, then you're going to get a little extra. Love it. Gotta love it. The 49ers just wrapped up another game against the Seahawks in Levi Stadium. Before that, it was the Packers. We've got an away game against the Cardinals coming up. Then they've got the bye week. And then we are looking at the Colts at Levi's Stadium. Jump on TickPick. Look for your tickets there because they've got you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash gold today and use the promo code gold to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Get on it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get on it. That, that's one thing I will say on the on the on the uh, on the topic of tickets and going to Levi Stadium and the fan presence it was on the money the fans were there now obviously that energy waned as the game went on and uh you know the 49ers offense didn't really give any anybody any reason to cheer but that stadium was full it was packed it was vast majority were 49ers fans they were loud they were ready it was impressive that stadium definitely has an energy now and that falls on the 49ers to maintain that energy. If you're going to win, the fans are going to be there, and they're going to be loud, and they're going to be into it. But by the end of the game, what the 49ers offense was putting on display um, started to draw some boos from the crowd, and it was tough to blame them. It was tough to blame them. Even when Trey Lance went in there, his very first pass was, I believe, a rollout uh, to George Kittle in the flat. He was open by about two yards, and Trey Lance just threw it into the dirt in front of him. It, it seemed like, you know, people will say like, oh, man, Kyle Shanahan needs to dial up some easy passes. That was as easy as it gets for a guy like Trey Lance. And he threw it into the dirt. And it was just a very, very odd performance. And it's tough to put everything on Trey Lance because, again, he probably got very little first team reps, if not none, um, coming up this week. He's probably barely got any. For, he has probably hasn't gotten any first-team reps throughout the entire start of the season because when you're in the NFL season, every ounce of that time on the practice field needs to go to the starters, which up until you know the second half of Sunday, that was Jimmy Garoppolo. So Trey Lance is out there. He looks uncomfortable. He looks like he, he just doesn't have a great grasp of the offense. Like, like if there's one thing that Jimmy Garoppolo does well, it's – standing there, making his reads, and getting the ball out relatively quickly. Making his reads, boom, ball's out, that's it. He doesn't have any reason to extend the play because he doesn't work much with his legs. He showed off some decent mobility and some evasiveness this year, but we know that when Jimmy Garoppolo's in the pocket, he just wants to stand there and throw. Whereas Trey Lance, he just looked like a little skittish. You know, Even when there wasn't pressure, he just did not look comfortable reading the field, reading the diff- defense, going through his progressions, and firing the ball into for a pass. As the game went on, he started to do a little more of that. Um, you could tell Kyle Shanahan was dialing up some shorter throws um, with players coming open a little closer to the line of scrimmage. But even then, some of them, some of it just looked like it was way more difficult than it needed to be. There was one play where. Trey Lance scrambled all over the left, you know, off to the left of the the huddle, or excuse me, the uh, the pocket, scrambled all over in different directions, only to just kind of whip a three sixty around and then hit Debo Samuel five down the yards down the field, and I believe it picked up the first down on third down, but it just looked so difficult. 
And and this might not be all Trey Lance. I'm certainly not jumping on here and telling you Trey Lance sucks. I think it is fair to assume that we would see a drastically different Trey Lance with a full week of preparation and an offensive game plan that is completely tailored to what he does. I do think that that the difference would be rather striking, but you got to just go off what you just saw. And it was a little, it was a little wild. It was a little wild. Now in, in Trey's defense, and I wouldn't even call this garbage time. I know that that's been labeled that way, but I'm trying to see if on these drives, they have the score of the game when it started. I don't think it does. Late in the third quarter, Trey Lance drove down the field. Well, actually, no, this was not the drive down the field. Y'all know what we what Trey Lance's first touchdown was. Trey Lance was under pressure in the pocket, but at the last second caught the fact that Debo Samuel was left wide open along the sideline. And when I say wide open, I mean there is nobody within 40 yards of him. <laughs> That's an exaggeration, but at least 10 to 15 yards, nobody's around him. So Trey Lance, and he was under pressure. The the line was kind of collapsing in on him, just kind of chucks it up there. Debo Samuel kind of looks like he's catching a punt, and he takes off and scores with an entire defense running behind him, essentially. Um, huge play. That was Trey Lance's first score. And then finally, uh, at the very end of the game, they drove all the way down to they they started with four minutes and 30 seconds on the clock ended with a minute and 20 they started on their own 20 yard line trey lance put together a 13 play 90 yard drive um to score and then they converted the two-point conversion with the trey lance run um trey lance's touchdown pass on that drive was just out to the flat in debo samuel and he took it forward uh broke a couple tackles and was able to get the ball across the goal line and then Trey Lance ran it in, kind of like a pow- quarterback power down the middle, uh, pretty much untouched. It was good blocking for the two-point conversion. So it's hard for me to say that, that that touchdown drive was garbage time because that and the two-point conversion put the 49ers within a touchdown with a minute and 20 left. So all they – and I know, understand it's a low percentage play, but all they needed to do was convert that onside kick, and then they're driving in to score and tie the game. So it's hard to say it's garbage time when it pulls the 49ers within one score. So I'm not going to necessarily just throw that drive away for Trey Lance. When it pulled the 49ers within a score and had they uh, gotten a better chance at an onside kick, maybe they could have made a miracle happen. Who knows? So I'm not. I'm just not throwing that drive away. But for the most part, you know, when Trey Lance came into the game, the drives were punt, punt, fumble, touchdown, punt, turnover on downs, and then touchdown. And like I said, that first touchdown was the Debo Samuel broken uh, coverage, busted coverage, and then the last one was a 13-play drive. So, you know, if you even look at the drives when Trey Lance came in, four plays, three plays, zero plays, four plays, three plays, eight plays, then 13-play drive. So, just a really, really, that game to me, the only word that comes to my mind is just chaos. It just was not what the 49ers wanted it to be. It wasn't what anybody wanted it to be. It wasn't comfortable. There were some embarrassing plays in there. It was just, and this kind of takes me into my next topic of Kyle Shanahan. The team looks unprepared. And this isn't, this. they kind of looked that way against the Packers during certain moments. They kind of looked that way against the Eagles during certain moments. I'm not sure if Kyle Shanahan has this team ready to win this season. And that goes beyond talent. There's just so many little things that are tough for me to quantify. But according to the eye test, me watching the game, there's something wrong. There's even little comments being said during press conferences that seem like they lend to just the smallest amount of frustration within the building. And what's interesting about that is, and the type of frustration I'm referring to is it's not even frustration that I noticed when the 49ers were losing on when Kyle Shanahan first took over, when the teams was losing a lot, 
um, for two seasons and then, or, or, you know, for a whole season, then Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, they win five games, you know, at Jimmy after Jimmy Garoppolo's torn ACL, it just feels different, a different type of frustration. Obviously the team early on in the Kyle Shanahan tenure, when they were losing games, they were frustrated, but everybody kind of understood why. Because they were rebuilding a roster. They weren't near that there yet. They were still acquiring talent. They were still building that team up to what it was meant to be. But now it's a different type of frustration. Like the team feels that they're good. I'm, I, I kind of shudder to say this. It, it almost feels like the team feels that they have the players but things aren't being put in the right places to win. I hope that makes sense and doesn't sound too dramatic, but I just get the subtle impression that not everything's jiving in the locker room. It just feels different. And maybe because this is the first time when all things considered, the team is pretty substantially underperforming. I feel like they have a good roster. They do have injuries, but they still have a good roster and the team is underperforming. And could that be due to Kyle Shanahan's coaching? I definitely think so. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm saying there's a good chance it could be remedied or caused because of that. There's so many little mistakes happening that it just seems off. It doesn't seem tight. It doesn't seem competitive at times. And I know this is dramatic because they lost to the Seahawks by one score. But for a good portion of that game, it was ugly. A lot of stuff we saw against the Packers the week before was ugly. It just looks rough around the edges. Jimmy Garoppolo is who they rode with to start the season. He's the starter. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look prepared. He doesn't look capable of winning. Not in the way the 49ers need him to be. Can he consistently win against good teams? I don't think so. When the 49ers need Jimmy Garoppolo to step up, can he do it in with the with the team's current format? With everything that kind of just the vibe I've gotten from this season, I don't think so. And then Trey Lance comes in and he looks whole wholly unprepared. And that's all on Kyle Shanahan. If you're going to ride with Jimmy Garoppolo, your offense better look damn good under Jimmy Garoppolo. You are one of the most well-respected play callers in the NFL. What the hell is going on? Because Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look good, and neither did Trey Lance when he comes in. Now, again, if Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance have an entire week together um, with Trey Lance as the expected starter, and they roll through the, the preparations and the reps, and Trey Lance looks good. 49ers offense looks good. I get it. I get it. But you're the one that kept Jimmy Garoppolo while also trading the farm to get Trey Lance. And right now, both look unprepared. The guy you allow to get all of the reps throughout training camp and throughout the beginning part of the season doesn't look good. And now he's injured because he's been injured. And now he's injured again. And now you're trying to rush to prepare Trey Lance that probably didn't get as many offseason and early tra- early season reps as he should have because he's technically not the starter. But he's the guy you know you're going to ride with going forward who hasn't gotten enough reps. It's just Kyle Shanahan has put himself in a tough spot, and it's nobody's fault but himself. The team's 2-2. Two and two. To me, they're underperforming. You got his starting quarterback isn't playing Great. Now he has to play back, back uh, play catch up. Excuse me. Now Kyle Shanahan has to play catch up with his backup quarterback that maybe should have been the starter to begin with, but now he didn't get any of that developmental time, and now he's trying to cram it in during the middle of the season in an ultimate trial by fire test. While Jimmy Garoppolo has a calf injury, is he going to miss a couple weeks? Is he not even going to miss one week? Who's going to get these reps? Are you going to commit to Trey Lance? And at this point, I don't know why you go with Jimmy Garoppolo. You're four games in. 
And yes, the 49ers have won two games, but has Jimmy Garoppolo shown you like, this is why he's the guy, folks. This is why he's starting over Trey Lance. I don't think so. I don't think he has. And now you've got Trey Lance out there. He looks unprepared. It's time to get him prepared. And at this point, the only thing that matters to me in the current situation, could Jimmy Garoppolo's injury be minor? He starts, uh, he comes back in as a starter and kind of finds his footing and takes the 49ers, you know, for a strong finish for the, or a strong, you know, strong record for the rest of the season. Sure. Of course that could happen. But to me, Sitting above everything, above all of this, above all the inconsistencies, the struggles, uh, the uneven play at quarterback, the you know the the frustration, above all of that, at the top of the pyramid is developing Trey Lance. At the very top pinnacle peak of the pyramid, I guess you could say that's winning football games. But right along with that is developing Trey Lance. The 49ers gave up everything they had. Not everything they had. That's dramatic. Gave up a lot to select Trey Lance. And now they're in a position where he may have to play because your starting quarterback that has sort of proven injury prone is now injured but wasn't great when he wasn't injured and hasn't been great for the first four games of the season. And now you're being forced into the position of playing Trey Lance. It's time to ride with Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't shown you enough to merit putting Trey Lance development off any further. If Jimmy Garoppolo was playing like Matthew Stafford is for the Rams, and I'm trying to find solid quarterbacks thinking around, thinking around the horn. If Jimmy Garoppolo had played solid, I could understand not playing Jimmy or playing Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played solid. He's now hurt. It's time to roll with Trey Lance. Period. At least taking your lumps, losing games, having some bad plays would be towards would be guiding your team towards the goal of developing Trey Lance, which essentially is Kyle Shanahan's future for better or for worse. Developing Trey Lance, at least playing Trey Lance. And watching him fight his way through those lumps can possibly get you to the land of like Josh Allen, where we everybody thought Josh Allen was not on his way out, but not great. But as we saw, you know, you just keep him out there, keep him playing. Maybe he will turn the corner, and Josh Allen did. And I think the 49ers are at a point where they need to do that with Trey Lance. Get him out there, allow him to take the reps during the week, allow him to build that rapport with Devo Samuel, with Brandon Ayuk, with George Kittle. Allow him to build that comfort behind that offensive line and just develop him. Let's 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 roll. And it, it's not because Jimmy Garoppolo's been so bad. It's because Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been great and now he's hurt. Boom. Here's Trey Lance. Go. Because now you're right back in the situation where now you're right back in the situation of why you drafted Trey Lance in the first place. Your starter hasn't played great. He hasn't been good enough. Now he's hurt. You have Trey Lance. This is why you drafted him. Go. That's all I have to say on that. Go. Start him. Roll with it. Let's see what he's got. Allow him to take those lumps. Allow him to endure his trial by fire. Let him get some goddamn football games. It's been two years. Get him out there. And again, this is not... I You know, y'all listen to the podcast. Y'all know who I am. I'm never dramatic. I'm never a hard stand for the most part. There's always context. There's always minutia to consider. To me, it's no longer a question. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been great. And now he's hurt, even if it's minor. Start Trey Lance and allow that man to develop. To become the quarterback you think he can be. Just do it. Roll with it. And to me, that's on Kyle Shanahan. He needs to find a way to make it work. And if he goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, which in terms of what I expect Kyle to do, I do. if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy and able to play this week, he'd go back to Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo was able to play next week, Short of some insanely good performance from Trey Lance this weekend against the Cardinals, who look amazing, by the way. 
he'd still go back to Jimmy or to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't think that's the right move. I'm just kind of thinking of what he will do. But no matter who's back there behind center, you better find a main way, way to make it work. Because what the offense has been able to do through the four weeks against a defense as bad as the Seahawks has not been acceptable. For the offensive guy in the league being Kyle Shanahan, what we've seen on offense is not acceptable. You retooled that offensive line a little bit. They were supposed to be a big upgrade. You've got all the fancy skill position players you could want. You know, again, rookie running back kind of finding his footing. Got that. Kyle Shanahan's all about the running game. But we've seen you develop bad, not bad running backs, late round draft picks, you know, players that weren't necessarily wanted by other teams. To me, there's just no excuses for Kyle Shanahan. Not on his side of the ball, not on offense. Maybe D'Amico Ryans has some. That man's taking some licks already when it comes to injuries. But there is no excuse for Kyle Shanahan. For Kyle Shanahan's offensive drives to go interception, miss field goal, punt, 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 fumble, touchdown, punt, downs, touchdown, to end the game. That's not it. The 49ers should be a lockstep to put in 30-plus every week, and right now they're not doing it. So – it's, it's becoming to a point. You can hear it from the fans. It's becoming frustrating to watch. You're the man on offense, Kyle. Do the damn thing. Do the damn thing. A huge Another huge reason why the 49ers lost this game against the Seahawks was the special teams collapse. They lost Robbie Gould. You know, that took them out of the hunt for at least one field goal and probably more had they had a kicker. Um, return man Trenton Cannon who they just recently claimed off the Ravens, I believe. Um, He muffed a kick, gave the Seahawks a possession on the 49ers 14, I believe. Yeah, he uh, caught it, fumbled it, picked it back up, dove forward, fumbled it again, gave it to the Seahawks. They scored two plays later. That doesn't get any easier. He also muffed a punt coverage where instead of just jumping on the ball, and downing it inside the five, or at the very least tapping the ball so it just stayed in, in bounds, he dove on the ball and rolled all the way into the end zone like he was an action star trying to dive out of the way of an explosion. Rolled in the end zone, gave him a touchback. And I believe the Seahawks, that was the Seahawks' one, not that that was the ultimate catalyst towards the Seahawks' score, but the Seahawks went on to score on that drive. It was just it was just too easy. It was too easy for the Seahawks. They they did everything they needed to do to get their ass kicked and the 49ers just couldn't deliver. I'm not really really all that upset with the way the defense played. Like I said, at least one touchdown was just absolutely given to them. They had a few dumb penalties. Drake Kirkpatrick had a pass interference penalty that put him in scoring position. But if you look at that pass interference penalty, Drake Kirkpatrick was beat. And he kind of put his hand, I believe, on Tyler Lockett's shoulder and pulled back. And the ball bounced off Tyler Lockett's fingertips. Drake Kirkpatrick doesn't pull on Tyler Lockett's shoulder like that. Drake Kirkpatrick, excuse me, Tyler Lockett catches it and scores. Or at the very least catches it and they get the ball there anyways. So it wasn't the worst penalty given the scenario. But at the same time, how do you avoid that? You just don't get beat. But easy to say. That was his first start with the 49ers. Uh, The 49ers defense came out absolutely swinging. It was impressive. Like I said, for the Seahawks, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. It was impressive. But the offense just kept sending them back out there. And what's funny is if you look at the Seahawks drives and when they started scoring points, it directly correlated with when the offense could no longer sustain a drive. So when the offense had eight plays, the Seahawks went three and out. Five plays, Seahawks three and out. Nine plays, Seahawks three and out. Eight plays, Seahawks three and out. Three plays, Seahawks touchdown. Five plays, you know, that was at the end of the half. But then you had four plays, Seahawks punt. So the defense came out from the halftime ready to go. Three plays, Seahawks touchdown. Zero plays because you fumbled it, Seahawks touchdown. 
Four plays, Seahawks touchdown. So I'm, I'm going bouncing back and forth between how many plays the 49ers had on offense and what the resulting drive was for the Seahawks. The 49ers offense just kept throwing the 49ers defense back out there, expecting them to keep up that pace. And that's just not fair to ask of them. It's Russell Wilson, and you're guarding Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They're going to find a way. And even Tyler Lockett was hobbled, I believe. I, I believe he shouldn't have been even been out there. He was dealing with an injury throughout the week. You can't just keep throwing your defense out there and expecting them to just continually put up that kind of a, a performance. I mean, if you look in, on Russell Wilson's scoring touchdown where he ran it in, Javon Kinlaw was running after that man like his life depended on it and actually hurt himself doing so. The defense was was putting it on the line. I was pretty impressed by what I saw. D. Ford had a dumb offsides penalty, but at the same time, the man also had two sacks. You know, led the team in sacks. The 49ers had a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tackles for loss. And here's what'll what here's what'll give you a quick quick glimpse into the quarterback discrepancy between these two teams. Emmanuel Mosley had two pass breakups. One of them was excellent, deep along DK Metcalf along the right sideline. Uh, DK Metcalf essentially had the ball in his hands, and he, he, Emmanuel Mosley punched it out. Had a pretty good game. Mosley did missed one tackle that kind of set the Seahawks up, but for the most part, I thought Emmanuel Mosley was pretty impressive. But here's the like I said, here's the difference in quarterback discrepancies. The the Seahawks had three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pass defenses, nine pass breakups. The 49ers had two, both from Emmanuel Mosley. That can almost directly be attributed to shitty throws from quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, when he was throwing it, he didn't throw it that often. He only threw, he only completed 16 passes for 150 yards, but he also got two touchdowns and he almost completed 70% of those passes. And they weren't, finding their ways into Seahawk defenders or uh, excuse me, 49ers defenders, 49ers quarterbacks were all over the place and they gave plenty of chances for Seahawks defenders to get their hands on the ball. And there probably should have been more than one interception in there. You don't get nine hands on the ball and only pick it once. That's what the Seahawks did, but that just tells you how lucky the 49ers got that there weren't more turnovers nestled within those stats. I just I wasn't all that frustrated. Man, Aziz, Aziz Alshair, 10 tackles and a tackle for loss. Fred Warner right behind him with nine. That's impressive. But I just wasn't all that disappointed with the defensive effort considering the scenarios they were being put in. They came out and were dominant. If the offense was responding with long, prolonged, extended drives and putting up points and keeping the morale up, then I would expect the defense to be a lot better. But again, you're going up against Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, a solid offense, a solid offense that you can expect to score. But the 49ers defense, their their efforts just weren't reciprocated by the offense. And that is kind of how that collapse happens. So it was just a tough game all around. It just opened up to me that game was it wasn't it just opened the door for it opened a window for more problems or just I'm what's the best way to say this. It allowed like wounds to fester. That's probably the best way I could say it. Whatever wounds the 49ers took from their loss to the Packers, this one opened them up even more. Allowed them to get even, you know, a little bit, a little bit infected. It, it just a little like just a nasty taste in your mouth. And it just opened, gave us a little bit clearer window into some of the problems the 49ers are having right now. They seem like a flawed football team that if they don't give it together quickly, things could get out of hand. It's just what I, it's kind of just the feeling I was left with. And I think it all comes down to Kyle Shanahan and his offense. I think it all comes down to that, at least for the most part. And that may be the world's most obvious statement. I apologize if it is. But to me, if Kyle Shanahan can get shit going on offense, figure out what his quarterbacks are doing, if he's going to roll with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be a lot better. And if he's going to roll with Trey Lance, Trey Lance needs to be a lot better. But at the very least, 
we all know we're seeing a Trey Lance that has gotten the benefit of weekly reps with the first team and a commitment from his head coach and, you know, developing that rapport with the players on his offense. But I don't know if we're going to get to see that. Is Kyle Shanahan too stubborn to just, you know, to move on to Trey Lance like that? I don't know. It's tough for me to quantify all these things because I'm right there with you guys. I can feel through the microphone the frustrations that are going to be coming through, like the vibes that are be coming through the microphone or through the headset from you guys. It's just I can I can feel the frustration that you guys are going to feel on the other side of this. And to me, my biggest solution is commit to Trey Lance and allow him to develop and start building your offense around him because the other guy is not giving you enough to justify putting it off anymore. That's what I'm going to leave you guys with. That's what I'm going to leave you guys with. Hey, you already know how I always end these podcasts. I appreciate you guys for listening to striking gold. I appreciate you guys for sticking through the, uh, the co-host swaps. I just appreciate it. I got some awesome messages on Twitter uh, throughout the week that I greatly appreciate means the world. I just appreciate you guys sticking with the podcast. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. I'm having fun with it. Even by myself, I feel like I'm talking to you guys and y'all are just chilling with me listening, you know, uh, hopefully nothing I really said today really comes off as, as too knee jerk reaction ish. Um, that's usually not my thing. I try to be the opposite of that and kind of allow things to to develop, but that's where I am right now. I do feel like Kyle Shanahan is doing himself and the 49ers a disservice by putting off this quarterback switch any longer than it needs to, considering all the context around how Jimmy's playing and his injury history. So let's see what happens. We'll see. No matter what, Kyle Shanahan needs to get his shit together. He's considered one of the top offensive minds in the NFL. He's got to get his shit together. But anyways, I just started ranting on again about the 49ers when I was clearly going to sign off. So appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Make sure you're out there downloading the episodes, you know, rating, commenting, subscribing, reviewing, downloading, listening, all that stuff that pops up on the the spreadsheets of the smart people that makes us look good. Um, If you're thinking about going to a game, jump on TickPick. Use the promo code GOLD. It'll let them know you came from here. I appreciate it. Uh, You guys are the best. Thank you for making Striking Gold what it is. But hey, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing.